Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. I am glad to be with you on this uh, Wednesday morning, the fourth day of the week. <clears throat> Yom Revi'i. It is also Arab Tisha B'Av. So um, we are going to be having a Arab Tisha B'Av uh, Ma'ariv service tonight. And then we will be um, uh, having a Shakarit service uh, in the morning. Baruch Hashem. So uh, welcome, glad you're here, all of you watching from across the Fruited Plain. Uh, be sure and, and drink, um, you know, lots of water, lots of good fluids today, uh, coconut water maybe, or some other type of uh, something nice to drink, to keep yourself hydrated, because tomorrow, beginning tonight, is a 25-hour fast like Yom Kippur. We... we um, we don't eat or drink anything for uh, from sun from sunset tonight um, until you know sunset uh, dark or whatever after dark the following night. So um, there's that. So a couple of things uh, for this evening. Everybody should plan to have a nice, uh, good, festive meal sometime after Minka before uh, nightfall. And right before nightfall, it is uh, customary and considered meritorious to sit on the floor and eat a, a hard-boiled egg and what's often referred to as bread dipped in ash. Um, but in this case, um, uh, a bread that's kind of like burnt toast would be, um, would be fine. Yes, Vincent, if a woman is breastfeeding, she is exempt from fasting. If you are a diabetic or deal with some type of medical uh, issue that prevents you from fasting completely, uh, then you should, you should eat something. Uh, maybe not have uh, a full meal, perhaps, but maybe just a little bit of yogurt or a little bit of something just to keep your, your, your body level, whatever you need to do. If you routinely take medication, like every morning you take a pill, every evening you take a pill, something like that, requires water to take that medication, take your medication. Um, don't, don't not take your medication. Now, if it's something that you can do without for a day, okay, fine. But if it's something that, hey, you really shouldn't skip this, it's not good for you <clears throat> to do that, then you should take it. Now, of course, if it's a vitamin or something like that, that's a whole other story. I'm talking here about... Um, actual, uh, actual medication. Okay. Um, uh, gentlemen, husbands, uh, you should not sleep in the bed with your wife tonight. Generally speaking, um, people should do something to make their sleep, a, a less comfortable than <clears throat> normal. It's even gives an example in the kids are shulking a book that if you're used to sleeping with two pillows, you should sleep with one. Uh, but just like Yom Kippur, this is the, the the day in the year where not really allowed to touch the woman uh, w with whom you're married. Uh, so you you don't sleep in your bed. You sleep uh, on the couch. You sleep in a spare bedroom. You sleep on the floor. It's actually considered for those who can do it. It's actually considered meritorious to sleep on the floor, um, which is what. If you're wondering, it's what I end up doing. I end up sleeping on the floor in the den. And uh, the one male dog that I have is Papillon named Tovey. 
he loves it. For him, it's like uh, he and I are camping out in the den. That happens twice a year. So Toby, it's like camp out night for him, but whatever. So uh, there's that. <coughs> um, what else? Uh, we'll fast, okay? So uh, again, drink plenty of water. Oh, um, we don't wear leather shoes uh, in the synagogue. We don't sit on chairs. Uh, we don't sit on chairs until about noon on Thursday, roughly about noonish on Thursday. Um, so if if you if you're somebody who cannot, uh, you know, you, you've got back issues, you've got some type of issue where you cannot literally sit on the floor, uh, then you can sit on on a stool or something like that. Um, just try to avoid sitting on, uh, you know, chair, padded chairs, comfortable things like that, and and that type of thing. Also, and finally, I would say, uh, similar to Yom Kippur, we don't greet each other. This is the saddest day of the year, so we don't greet greet each other, which um, sometimes we we do compulsorily. Uh, but uh, it, when you if you happen to walk into the shul, if you're here locally or what have you, or you're there at home, and somebody doesn't greet you doesn't say, you know, shalom to you, uh, don't, um, don't be offended. It's, it's, it's on, it's on purpose. And if you happen to greet someone or if someone happens to greet you and they forget, you know, it just, it just, it's like second nature, then you can respond to them in an undertone. Uh, you know, don't rebuke them or anything like that. Don't say, Hey, you're not supposed to say out of, you know, whatever. Don't be, don't be silly, but, um, that kind of thing. Um, and by the way, can I just say something? Is everybody, is this thing on? Can y'all hear me? Uh, can I say something? Because this this uh, is something that I, I guess I need to say again. Because um, I, I I heard third hand uh, this happened to somebody recently. If you're if, if you see somebody in your community in your mishpacha eating something, please do not ask them if it's kosher. That is extremely insulting. Um. Assume that it is kosher, unless you're just messing with them, which I do that to Hover sometimes, and he does it to me. But we're just messing with each other. That's that we're just, and we know it. We're just playing around. But don't walk up to somebody if you see them eating a, a bowl of pudding and say to them, "Is that kosher?" Um, because that might get you punched in the mouth. Uh, I'm just kidding, uh, but. Seriously, that's that's very rude. Very rude. I, I I feel like I shouldn't have to say that, but I want to say that. So I think for some people, it's just like they don't mean anything bad by it. They're just being curious, but it's just insulting because it's like, well, not, you know, no, it's not kosher. I, I don't eat kosher. I mean, it's it's just you know, don't do that, guys. Um, let's be nice. That's what I, all came to my mind when I was talking about. Um, uh, you know, don't be offended if somebody doesn't greet you, and if somebody does greet you, don't don't you know berate them. Okay, it's just we just need to be be nice. Does that make sense? Okay, all right. Just this PSA for that. Don't ask anybody if they're eating something. Don't ask them if it's kosher. Assume it is kosher. Of course, it's kosher. They wouldn't be eating if it wasn't. Okay, and and if you go to somebody's house, oh my gosh, if you go to somebody's house for dinner or for Arab or something, don't don't ask. If it's kosher, of course it's kosher. Would you like Would you like some hot sauce? Is it kosher? I mean, come on. Anyway. Um, all right, so I think I covered all that. Oh, uh, real quick, we cover the things about the importance of our fast. Um, 
I haven't said this in a while, but we are 146 subscriptions shy of reaching 4,000 subscribers on our Lapid channel. Yay! I have tried to ask the Ping Penguin Corps uh, to subscribe, but they can't. Their buttons are frozen. So um, I need 146 people to get us to 4,000. I think that'll be great. Now that'll kind of like go into the rest of the summer with 4,000, and maybe we'll get 5,000 sometime you know, around the high holidays or something like that. So subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so. Uh, please like the video and share it with all your friends because that's how people find out about it and it's a, it's a good way for them to have a wonderful uh, time of learning. And encourage your friends to subscribe. Only 146 subscriptions. We get, a, we get 30 or so subscriptions a month on average. Um, but I was just looking at it the other day and I thought, wow, we're, we're, we're pretty close. Let's, let's uh, see if we can get 4,000, right? Let's do that. All right. So here we go. We are in the book of Devarim, page 969, chapter five. This is the fourth Aliyah. Oh, we won't have an Aliyah tomorrow because it's Tisha B'Av. So, um... I am going to go ahead and read the fifth Aliyah as well, I think, and we'll make some comments here. So anyway, it says, Moshe called all of Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the decrees and the ordinances that I speak in your ears today. Learn them and be careful to perform them. Adonai, our God, sealed a covenant with us at Horeb. Not with our forefathers did Adonai seal this covenant, but with us. We who are here, all of us alive today, face to face, did Adonai speak with you on the mountain? From amid the fire, I was standing between Adonai and you at the time to relate the word of Adonai to you, for you were afraid of the fire, and you did not ascend the mountain, saying, I am Adonai your God, who has taken you out of the land of Egypt <clears throat> from the house of slavery. You shall not recognize the gods of others in my presence. You shall not make yourself a carved image of any likeness of that which is in the heavens above or the earth below. Or in the water beneath the earth. You shall not prostrate yourself to them, nor worship them. For I am Adonai your God, a jealous God, who visits the sins of the forefathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. For my enemies. But who shows kindness for thousands of generations to those who love me and say and. And observe my commandments. This phrase right there I just wanted to emphasize because that gets left out of the equation um, a lot. People say, you know, that he visits uh, sins to the third and fourth generation, and people all say, but he, he shows kindness to a thousand generations for those who love God, and that's 100% true, but we the, the rest of the sentence says, and, A-N-D, which is a word that means to add something to what you just said, who and observe my commandments. So love this is why Yeshua said if you love me you obey my commandments. So loving God in Judaism is an action. So it says here and so by the way we've spoken this week about um how our mitzvah keeping brings down kedusha around us. How our mitzvah keeping is not just about us, which that's as I said the pitfall that many people run into is they're only thinking about themselves and the impact or non-impact, whatever it might be, upon themselves with respect to keeping the commandments. 
But we have to always remember that our mitzvah keeping impacts the world around us, even the world that we don't, we don't see. I, I promise you, and I know that you don't see it, I don't see it sometimes, but I promise you the very fact that you have a kosher home is posit- in, a, in a positive way affecting your neighbors around you. It is in a positive way affecting your neighbors around you. Now, the reason I brought that up is because it says that he shows kindness for a thousand generations to those who love me and observe my commandments. Now, listen, ladies and gentlemen, a thousand generations, pretty much that what that means is like forever. I'm not even sure if we're up to a thousand generations or not. Maybe we are. Uh, but a th- can you imagine a thousand generations from now? Okay, you just go back three or four generations and we're already into another century. In fact, at this point, we're into two other centuries. Um, so you're talking about a thousand generations. So, so, so you loving God and you keeping the commandments is having a positive effect on up to a thousand generations from now. That's what it means when you decide to say yes to God. Now you think, you think, well, well, should I, how's this going to impact me? Impact you. We're talking about a thousand generations it's impacting. It says, you shall not take the name of Adonai your God in vain, for Adonai will not absolve anyone who takes his name in vain. Leonard said 6,000 years is around 200 generations. Okay, there you go. There you go. Uh, so it says, safeguard the Sabbath day to sanctify it as Adonai your God has commanded you. Six days shall you labor and accomplish all your work, but the seventh day is Sabbath to Adonai your God. You should not do any work. You, your sons, your daughters, your slaves, your maidservants, your ox, your donkey, your animal, your covet, uh, and your convert within your gates. Now, where we are, as you're going to notice, we're basically reiterating the Ten Commandments here. So it says here, Jatwe le tu, Satwe le tom. Okay, where to leave off? The convert. The, yes, okay, there it is. In order that your slave and your maidservant may rest like you, and you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and Adonai your God is taking you out from there with a strong hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, Adonai your God has commanded you to make the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as Adonai your God commanded you so that your days will be lengthened and so that it will be good for you upon the land that Adonai your God gives you. You should not kill. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear vain witness against your fellow. And you should not covet your fellow's wife. You should not desire your fellow's house, his field, his slave, his maidservant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your fellow. You know, this uh, issues that we have in our modern day uh, politics with people, um, uh, you know, desiring socialism and Marxism, which is what all this rioting is about on the street. The rioting in the street is all about trying to transfer, transform the United States into a socialist, communistic uh, nation. The root of all of that, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure you know this, but the, the root of all of that is covetousness. In our, in our United States, it is absolutely true, 
absolutely true that we have equal opportunity, 100%. It requires hard work. It requires, um, you know, Hashem to give us our panasa. It requires to be good people, respectable people. But we do, in fact, have equal opportunity, 100%. Um, everybody's equal under the law, 100%. Okay? But equal opportunity does not mean equal outcomes. And that's what people want. Why? Because they see somebody who's worked hard. Most of these people who are covetousness don't work hard. They don't work hard at all. Um, they want everything given to them. But you, there might be a situation where somebody's working hard and they see somebody else who's working hard and the person who's working hard next to them is got a big house and is driving Maserati. You've been working hard your whole life and you've got a modest home and you've got a nice pickup truck but not a Maserati. Well, equal opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't mean equal outcomes. And... Again, the, the, the root code, this is why this, this commandment is so, so important. They're all important, but you know what I mean. This one is important because we end up looking around and we covet everybody else's stuff. Um, you, you have to, you have to uh, just accept that reality that God has given you what you need. And you need to be con content with that. Um. Vincent said that, uh, you know, sometimes you bust your tail there and, and, and you don't get anything, and that's just how it is. You know, that's true. That's true. Sometimes that's, that's just, you find yourself busting rocks all day. Sometimes it, nothing, no fruit comes of it. That's just called life. We had this discussion by the, by the, with the guys the other day, and uh, not, not to belabor this point, but um, I was just commenting about how I've kind of reached a point in my life where uh, I'm pretty satisfied with what I have. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate my cars. I appreciate my house. I appreciate my, I'm talking about my, my things that I have, you know, my stuff. Uh, I don't really want anything. And, and, and sometimes, uh, when holidays come up where people want to, you know, give you gifts or whatever, um, birthdays maybe, or Hanukkah for me personally, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather just go out and have a nice, uh, steak at meat point. Um, I don't really need anything else. Now, of course, you can always buy me guns and ammo. I mean, that's... And books. Guns and ammo and books. And pipe tobacco. Um, <laughs> and I always... I'll never, I'll never turn away a, a, a nice uh, cognac or a bottle of whiskey. But other than that, I'm happy. All right. 19. 19. These words... I don't know. I spoke to your entire congregation on the mountain... From the midst of the fire, the, the cloud and the thick cloud, a great voice never to be repeated. And he inscribed them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. It happened that when you heard the voice of the midst of the darkness and the mountain was burning with fire, that you, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, approached me. You said, this is the fifth Aliyah, by the way. You said, behold, Adonai, our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of fire this day. We saw that Adonai will speak to a person and he can live. But now, why should we die when his great fire consumes us? If we continue to hear the voice of our God any longer, we will die. For there, for is there any human that has heard the voice of a living God speaking from the midst of fire as we have and lived? 
you would approach and hear whatever Adonai or God will say, and you should speak to us whatever Adonai or God will speak to you, and we shall hear and we shall do. Adonai heard the sound of your words when you spoke to me, and Adonai said to me, I heard the sound of the words of this people, that they have spoken to you, and they did well that they spoke. We can assure that this heart should remain theirs, to fear me and observe my commandments all the days, so that it should be good for them and for their children forever. Go say to them, return to your tents. But as for you, stand here with me, and I shall speak to you the entire commandment and the decrees and the ordinances that you shall teach them, and they shall perform in the land that I give them to possess it. You shall be careful to act as Adonai your God commanded you, so you shall not stray to the right or the left on the entire way that Adonai your God commanded you shall go, so that you shall live, and it will be good for you, and you shall prolong your days in land that you shall possess. Chapter 6, verse 1. This is the mitzvah. Now notice here, by the way, how the entire Torah is referred to as a single mitzvah. This is very important. We've talked about this before, but we see it here again in the Torah. Vezot ha-mitzvah ha-huchim ha-mishpatim asher zivah Adonai Elohechem. This is the entire commandment. This is the commandment and the decrees and the ordinances that Adonai your God has commanded you. So we see here the, the Torah is referred to as a single unit. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot remove a single commandment from the Torah and claim to be following God's law. And a lot of people are under this delusion. You know, uh, Hava and I, before Corona, we used to go down to the jails and have classes with the inmates. Hopefully that'll start again soon. Corona is scheduled to end right after the election. Um, and we used to, it's funny because, you know, we have lots of Christian inmates in there. And, and whenever I would say that Christians don't follow the law of God, very often they would object. And they would say, no, no, that's not true. And uh, as if, as if I, you know, I'm, I don't know. It's weird. Like, like I, don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. But they would say, yeah, no, that's not true. We do follow the law. Now. And so I would kind of look at them, kind of puzzled, and i say, well, that's interesting. So we start going through the mitzvot. Oh, so you, you keep kosher? No. Oh. You keep the Sabbath? No. You wear a seat seat? No. You keep the festivals? No. You know, you just go down the line. When you get married, you use the ketubah? No. I mean, stuff like this, right? So it turns out all the commandments I list from the Torah, they're not doing any of them. But in their own illogical thinking, um, they are. But but even though they've removed uh, eighty or, or you know eighty percent of them, they removed eighty percent of the commandments. But yet they're still keeping it because they're keeping love thy neighbor, or they're keeping don't murder, or they're keeping uh, you know don't covet, or something like that. So in their mind, they're keeping the commandments. So if they keep at least one of them, they're keeping the whole thing. It's a total backwards of what. God said, it's the, it's the bizarro world, it's the complete opposite, which is what I said earlier, that Christianity, the false religion of Christianity, is actually the opposite gospel from what Yeshua taught. Which is why I think the entire persona of Jesus was even created by the Romans. It was created to be that, um, that anti-Messiah, uh, or at least the anti-Messiah concept. Uh, because if, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Esau version of of uh, the true Messiah. But I digress. 
So it says here, you shall hearken, O Israel, and be beware to perform so that it will be good for you and so that you will increase very much as Adonai your God, as Adonai, the God of your forefathers, spoke to you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Um, you know, I was just talking about the, that's by the way, the end of the fifth, the fourth and fifth Aliyah. Let me just read something here. Uh, this is a, a little comment about why we cannot prove God um, from the Kehol Tumash to uh, Ve'et Kanan. But it is an interesting thing because I just said how you can, you can stand up before a class and say something that's 100% factual about Christianity. It's not mean-spirited, it's just true. It's just true, just being honest, being true. And the truth is, and sometimes when the truth offends you because it's not the truth you want to hear, you take it as offensive when, it's, when you're just speaking truth. It's like saying the earth is round. Somebody who believes it's flat because they're insane gets offended when you say that. All you said was the earth is round, but now they're mad because you've spoken truth. It just happens all the time. But here you are standing up speaking a truth, a truthful reality, and somebody's going to argue with it. And, and um, it's just, it's, you ever wonder, like, how can you argue with something that's so logical? You ever thought about that? Like you're telling, talking to somebody about theology or any topic, and it, you're just being factual, you're being logical, you're breaking it down for them, and they have a counter argument. And you're looking at them going, how can you not get, I mean, really? This is so crystal clear. How, why is that the case? Well, it turns out it's built into the human condition. Here's the insight. It says, It is important to realize that there can never be unequivocal, unassailable logic, logical proof of God's existence for two reasons. Firstly, the nature of intellect is such. Now, this is, this is the, the main point I want you to see. This will kind of hopefully help you when, because you know, uh, well, well, like you're you're listening to these Antifa people, right? And and you're and, and their their arguments are just way out there, like, wow. And you're thinking, how can this be, Aka? How can you? I mean, really? I I just don't get it. It's so crystal clear. Well, here it is. Firstly, the nature of the intellect is such that any argument that is presented, no matter how sound, can be undermined by a counter-argument. That's the nature of the intellect. Now think about that. It's true, isn't it? You could be, again, having a discussion with somebody and just lining it out. Bam, bam. You've got source after source after source. You're just nailing it. And, 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 and the sources they're providing, you're like, okay, that's valid, but here's another five or ten sources that bring context to that source. And at the end of the day, they're still arguing their point, and you're looking at them going, I, I'm just, it's a, it's a disconnect. Why? It's because the nature of our intellect is that no matter how sound the argument, there can be a counter-argument. Just the way it is. The most that we can achieve through reason is a degree of plausibility. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why, and you attorneys out there, Michelle, um, confirm this. This is why in a criminal court you do not have the mythological standard of beyond a shadow of a doubt. You have beyond a 
reasonable doubt, and there is a difference. One involves plausibility. Why? Because no one can know 100% for sure. Okay? This is why in a, in a civil case, the standard is the preponderance of evidence. Meaning that it's that's where you have the scale idea, that the scale of evidence is on this side or that side. Because no matter... The reality is nobody can know anything 100% for sure. Which is why, ladies and gentlemen, it is so dangerous to judge of, uh, events that we see on TV without knowing all the facts. Well, I saw the video clip. Did you? Did you see what was going on in, uh, f 10 minutes before that and 10 minutes after? Or did you see the little clip that was edited that everybody wanted you to see? Did you, in, did you talk to all the uh, witnesses? Did you interrogate all the witnesses? Did you, were you get, getting fact? No, no, I, I just saw it on, on uh, you know, MSNBCNN-com. Really? I mean, you just have to be careful because we don't have all the information. Um. So it says, secondly, if we could prove God's existence conclusively, doing so would preclude any possibility of free choice. This is great right here. Would preclude any possibility of free choice and would thus undermine the whole purpose of creation. <laughs> so if we could prove that God existed absolutely, then that would take away our whole idea of free choice and it would take away our whole idea of having faith. Now, man, I'm, almost, I'm already out of time, but let me share this with you too because along those same lines, one of the big arguments is, hey, listen, if Yeshua is really the Messiah, he should just let everybody know it. Like he should appear in the sky above the earth and he should say, I am the Mashiach. And we would all just believe. Like the whole world would be like, oh, okay, okay. And that's the argument. The argument is, if he was really the Mashiach, he should just let it all known. Well, he did, okay, when he was here. But what I'm about to read to you defeats that argument. Okay? Because it says to verse 4 in our reading, chapter 5 and verse 4, On the mountain God spoke to you face to face out of the midst of the fire. This will be our final insight. I have like a dozen insights here I want to share with you, but I'll have to come back with that on Friday. But it says, because of all this, God had appeared to you since he, since he saw from the beginning that you would worship idols. He did not want you to be able to say if God showed us his greatness or if we had heard his voice, we would never have worshiped idols. God therefore revealed himself to you in all his glory and let you hear his voice so that you would not have a pretext. In other words, God revealed himself to all six million souls in the, in, the, in the wilderness, and not just to them, but to every soul that would ever be a Jew, born or converted, one or the other, all of our souls. In fact, all the souls, doesn't matter your lineage, all the souls were present at Sinai. You know why we know that? Because the sages tell us that the entire host of heaven left heaven when the king left to come down and reveal himself on Mount Sinai. So every single soul was there that day and saw Hashem 
declare himself Hashem, and we still worshiped idols. This is why it talks about in the book of Revelation that even after Messiah comes, we're not Revelation, and Zechariah, even after Messiah comes, there will be some people who won't go to Jerusalem for the festival. What are you talking about? The Mashiach is here, and you're not going to go to Jerusalem for Sukkot, and you're going to receive punishment because of it? Are you kidding me? So, when Mashiach reveals himself, he said, if, they, if Mashiach could just reveal himself, we would all believe. Ladies and gentlemen, God already re revealed himself, and we didn't believe. End of our Aliyah today. Everybody have a, a, a meaningful and easy fast. We'll look forward to seeing you tonight for Mariv, tomorrow for Shakarit. Gentlemen, we do not wear our tallit or tefillin for Shakarit. We wear it for Minka on, on Thursday. And no tallits tonight. Um, all right, so we'll see everybody t tomorrow, or tonight and tomorrow, and then we'll be back on Friday for the conclusion of the Aliyah Day. Until then, Shalom Alechem.